Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up, and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the e-commerce badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dottillo Coster. As an e-commerce business owner, you probably wear a lot of hats and no matter how big or small your team is, you're still deeply involved in the day-to-day of your business. You probably have a to-do list a mile long and you feel like you have all of these responsibilities and technically you do. But if you strip away all the things and boil it down, your number one job is to create a great experience for your customers. So from the product you buy to the content you post on social media, and even how you manage your customer service, it's all about giving those customers a great experience. And if you do that well, if you serve them well, they'll buy from you repeatedly They'll tell their friends to buy from you and they become advocates for your brand. And now you've got yourself a business. But what does it really take to create that experience? What does it take to get a customer to become a loyal customer and tell all their friends about you? What does it take for a customer to follow you as the business owner when you launch another business? That's what we're going to talk about today. So raise your hand if you've ever heard about the no like and trust factor. This stems from a quote by Bob Berg, a speaker and author who talks about sales, marketing, and influence. And in his book, The Go-Giver, he says, all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Sounds simple enough, right? I mean, think about it. You buy from businesses that you know, like, and trust. You're probably friends with people that you know, like, and trust. But what really goes into creating that? What are the actionable things you can do to build the know, like, and trust factor with your customers? Like everything else in business and marketing, the first step is to really understand who your ideal customer is. When you really get this and what's important to them, you're able to create an experience they love that brings them back for more and has them telling all of their friends. Not only does it make it easier to create or bring in products you know they'll want to buy, but it informs the type of content to create emails to write, and the customer service experience to create. Hopefully, you already know who your ideal customer is. And even if you do, it's worth it to revisit this ideal customer on a regular basis because 
as your business evolves and our world changes, it's possible that your ideal customer will change or what is important to them has changed. The COVID pandemic is a perfect example of how people's priorities can shift and how you likely had to adjust your messaging a bit to make sure it was still speaking to your customer avatar today. The process of creating an ideal customer avatar can be an episode all its own. So for the purposes of today's episode, we're just going to keep it a bit high level here. And I want you to start by asking yourself these three questions. What do they want and expect? How do they want to be treated? And what are their fears, desires, and needs, also known as pain and pleasure points? While we're keeping it high level for the discussion, I want you to dig really deep on these questions and get to like the real root. Go beyond the surface level stuff. And let's work out a quick ideal customer avatar together. So for this exercise, we're going to pretend we're a beauty brand with a simple three-step skincare system. And let's say we have a working mom of three young kids, all in grade school. She's a marketing director at a large corporation. She's always leading meetings for her team and is an important fixture in her community and very involved in her kids' school activities. So let's go back to those three questions and answer them based on this avatar. So the first one is, what do they want and expect? So considering she has a pretty high-level, powerful job and she's involved in school activities, we can infer that her image is probably important to her. She likely appreciates life's luxuries and she expects the best out of her team, her children, and her social circle. The second question, how does she want to be treated? Because she's such an important figure in her community and in her company, she expects to be treated that way with the utmost respect and that she is more than just a number. And what are her fears, desires, and needs? Because she has achieved so much in her life and career, she may be afraid of losing it all. She wants to be taken seriously and looked up to, she wants to be seen as successful, be well-liked in her community, and have a strong, loving relationship with her family. As a beauty brand trying to reach this customer, what are some things we have to portray and messaging we can use to reach this woman? Ultimately, we need to increase our perceived value through things like luxurious packaging and a beautiful website. We should keep our branding clean, modern, and sophisticated. Our marketing messages can speak to looking and feeling our best, having confidence from the boardroom to the PTA meeting. We can also infer that she's likely time poor, right? Because she's got a lot of things going on. She needs her beauty regimen to be simple but effective. And because our product is this simple three-step system, this is going to be really important to her. And we want to make sure that we talk about this as one of our unique selling propositions or our USPs. Knowing all of this about our customer can even help us reverse engineer what our customer service should look like, right? So we know that she wants to be 
treated with the utmost respect. She wants to be more than a number. She's time poor, right? She's pretty powerful. And so she's sort of used to getting that kind of treatment. So how can we infuse that into our business? You know, maybe she doesn't want to like email customer service and wait two days for a response. So having live chat where she can get a faster answer is likely going to be really important to her. Maybe she needs some more self-service options on our website, like a returns portal or a ticketing system where she can log in and see where her customer service inquiry is in the queue and what the conversation has been, things like that. We might also say, hey, you know what? She's really going to want a loyalty program to be treated like a VIP. She's going to want first dibs on any sales, promotions, new products, etc. So let's create a system in our business to support that and make our customers feel really special. So there's a lot that you can do with this, and we're going to talk about some more things, but... When it comes to understanding your customer, it should really be driving every single decision that you make in your business. You know, I'm not the first person to tell you it's important to understand your customer. This is not the first time you've ever heard about a customer avatar, but now we have to dig really deep into what to actually do with that information and what does that actually look like in our business. So that's where I want you to go with this and kind of look back at your business now, take a high level bird's eye view and start to look at those things and go back to the answers to these questions and say, hey, does this fit in with the person I'm trying to reach? The next thing is when it comes to building that know, like, and trust is to be authentic. Now, I know you've heard this a million times, but it's still worth repeating. And in today's digital and quarantine world, people are craving connection. And more and more, people want to buy from people and companies that they share values with and that they can relate to. At the end of the day, like attracts like. So if you want to attract those people who are most likely to appreciate you for you, the best thing you can do is just show up as you are. Ultimately, it truly is the path of least resistance because trying to be someone you're not is totally exhausting. And if you're doing that, you're likely to build a business you don't love. And if you take me, for example, I have a mouth like a sailor and I don't apologize for that. I even drop an F-bomb in my podcast intro. At first, I was a bit hesitant to release it that way. And of course, when my mom heard it while she loved the intro, she of course had to say, well, the only thing is, and I knew exactly where she was going with that. But I decided to leave it because that's just how I fucking talk. And if someone doesn't want to hear that, then they're not going to enjoy listening to my podcast or ever want to actually work with me anyway so I might as well repel those people from the start. And while I'm sure it has repelled people from me, it's also attracted my perfect client to me. 
I've had multiple people tell me it's the best podcast intro they've heard and that knowing I do talk like that has actually been the thing that sealed the deal for them. And as a service provider, I consider myself so damn lucky to have the most amazing clients ever, people I look forward to hopping on calls with and who I connect with pretty immediately. As a product-based business or any business, like unless you're selling something completely brand new and unique that doesn't exist anywhere else in the market, you are the thing that sets your company apart. So just be unapologetically you, whatever that looks like. And remember that when you try and water down your message to talk to everyone, you end up talking to no one. You're not going to be for everybody and that is okay. The next thing I want to touch on is your why. Who has ever heard Simon Sinek's TED Talk, Start With Why? People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. If you've never heard that, you need to take a listen. I'll put a link in the show notes. And if you have heard it, but it's been a while since you've seen it, go watch it again. I rewatch it regularly because it's just a really great reminder that we are so much more than what we sell. And it really does tie back into the authenticity piece. So yes, I help female entrepreneurs increase the traffic, sales, and profit in their e-commerce business. But the reason why behind that is because I want to put more money into the pockets of female entrepreneurs. And I quit my job to go full-time in my business because while I loved what I did, I didn't love who I did it for. Because as a female in the corporate world, I saw firsthand how it felt to be dismissed and looked over. I knew there was a cap on my earning potential and that ultimately I was being held back from accomplishing everything I'm capable of. Women go into business for themselves very often to create lives they only dreamed of, to support their families, to have more freedom, and to give back to the communities that have supported them along the way. I wanted to be a part of that by teaching them everything I learned the hard way, to give them the shortcuts and share the information other people weren't sharing on the internet. And no offense to any men that are listening. I'm certainly not a man hater, but female entrepreneurs, especially in the product and e-commerce space, are grossly underserved. And I wanted to change that. Sharing that and putting it out there as an important part of the e-commerce badassery brand has attracted other women who are looking to do the same thing. It's what has allowed me to connect with other service providers in the space to bring you even more value. It's how you know I truly have your best interests at heart and that I want you to succeed in your business. My passion shines through when I teach and my clients see that and can feel how much I care about what I'm doing and that it's about more than just the money to me. I'm not the only one who teaches you how to run an e-commerce business, but there's a reason why you choose to listen to my podcast or to work with me instead of someone else. And while of course you need to be confident in the fact that I actually know what the fuck I'm talking about, but you also know that I'm not just in it to get paid. 
I'm in it to support you, to teach you, give you the tools and education you need to thrive in your business long after our time together. That goes a really long way. And so does transparency. And while being authentic is all about being you, transparency is really about being upfront and honest with your people. Now, this doesn't mean you have to like air all your dirty laundry on the internet, but it does mean owning up to your mistakes and giving your audience a glimpse into what's actually going on behind the scenes. And a great example of this is Everlane, the online clothing store. Not only do they share what factory each of their items are made in, but they also show you the price breakdown for the item, including the materials and labor, the duties, the transport cost. So you can see how they arrived at their retail price and you know what you're really paying for. Now, you don't have to be transparent like this with pricing, right? That's just how they chose to create their business. But it's a really great example of a company that values transparency. And hopefully that sparks some ideas for how you can incorporate this in your business. And my own business is another example of this. When I first started e-commerce badassery, I still had a day job and I never hid that. It was important that my audience and my clients knew from the start that I had this other obligation. And I was always upfront that the work I did for them would take place in the evenings and weekends. I wanted them to know that while I had limited availability to get on calls with them and might not answer their emails in the middle of the day, that didn't mean I wasn't taking the work seriously. The same goes for my social media audience and my Facebook group specifically. I wasn't showing up there every day. It was slow going at first, but my group members knew that. And when they did come to ask questions, I was always there to answer them as quickly as possible. They knew just because I wasn't showing up every day didn't mean I wasn't always thinking of new ways to support them in their business. And that leads me to the next one, which is be clear and set expectations. What I've learned over all my years in this retail space and serving customers is that the majority of customer service issues come from unmet expectations. And as the CEO of our business, it's up to us to make sure we're setting and communicating those expectations. If the customer didn't understand something, it's likely because we didn't explain it well enough. Now, don't get me wrong. You can plaster something in giant neon letters on your homepage and people still might not see it because they don't read. And it also doesn't mean that there aren't just some customers out there that are impossible to please. But my point is that we should always be trying to do our best to communicate that information and it should always be top of mind for us to be clear and set expectations as best we can. And the last thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to building no like, and trust is to pre-plan how you'll handle certain customer service issues and systematize it the best you can. So think back to your own experience as a customer. Was there ever a time where you had an issue to handle with a company 
And the first person you spoke to couldn't help you or they didn't have the authority to. So you have to wait for the manager and the whole process gets dragged out. They probably don't actually contact you and then you have to contact them back for a follow-up, right? It becomes a total shit show. Now, as a business owner, you certainly can't give your team like carte blanche to do whatever they want, but it's definitely helpful to give them as much authority and autonomy as you're comfortable with to get the fastest resolution possible for the customer. And in fact, there was a study done a few years ago, 47% of the consumers who were a part of this study consider a fast response to an inquiry or complaint the mark of an ideal customer experience. And I'm going to link to the results of this study in the show notes. So go check it out and you can kind of see all the different things that they asked about and you know, how important these things were to the customers because it's really eye-opening, right? Like even if it's not necessarily the response that they want, they just want a response. Like they want you to communicate and they want you to do it quickly. Like that trumps everything else. So if you can set your customer service team up, right? To be able to handle those situations faster, that's going to go a long way. Now, it's hard to predict every possible customer service issue, but start with the basics and build out a standard policy and procedure for those situations. And this will be really helpful going into Q4 as well. Maybe you give your customer service team the authority to offer a 10% discount to a customer when a shipment is delayed, right? It's just like a courtesy thing or it's a standard step-by-step for them to follow when a customer receives a damaged item in their shipment. As you come up against new situations, document them all and how you would ideally handle them. And then of course, revisit these policies and procedures once or twice a year to make sure they're still in line with your business goals. But this way, As your business and your team grows, you're able to just give them the tools they need to do their job. They don't always have to come to you for answers. They can create a great experience. Your customer doesn't have to wait. It's just like a win-win all around. So it's work up front, right? But the long-term gain from that is totally worth it. So the no like, and trust factor, we all know that it's important. I wanted to give you a few actionable things that you could focus on to create the no like, and trust factor with your customers and your audience. And it goes back to understanding your ideal customer, being authentic, communicating your why, being transparent, setting clear expectations, and pre-planning how you handle customer service issues so that you can give that great experience in a timely manner. Thank you so much for hanging out. I hope you found this episode useful. Have a kick-ass day and I will see you on the flip side, friend.
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you like what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're looking to surround yourself with more product entrepreneurs who totally get your life right now, get your booty on over to the e-commerce badassery Facebook group. Can't wait to see you there. Until next time, e-commerce friends, stay badass.